Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Thursday, December 21st, and this is your FT News Briefing. A global rally in government debt is surpassing everyone's expectations. And people in China are opting out of the country's state health insurance system. Plus, we look at whether factories can help employ India's massive population. Unlike its neighbors, China or Bangladesh, India is not known as the factory for the world, but it's hoping to become one. I'm Joanna Gao, in for Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The bond market is in the middle of an epic rally. 10-year U.S. Treasury yields fell below 4% on Wednesday, and have dropped by almost a full percentage point since the end of October. Now, remember with the bond market, as yields fall, prices go up. The rally blows past what major banks had forecast yields to be by the end of 2024. That's more than a year early. Investors have been super optimistic ever since the Federal Reserve signaled it might start cutting interest rates sometime next year. Swaps markets are now pricing in six interest rate cuts from the U.S. Central Bank in 2024. At the end of October, the expectation was just three. An unprecedented number of people are foregoing health care coverage in China. Millions have dropped out of the state health insurance system in the past year, and enrollment could fall even further this year that could have some pretty significant consequences for the world's second largest economy. The FT's Sun Yu has been following the issue and joins me now. Hello. Hi. So what's the scope of this problem? Just how many people are dropping out of China's state health system? Last year, almost 20 million people dropped out of the healthcare system. And this year, I would say almost equal or a bit more than that number of people dropped out of system. So the absolute figure isn't that big, given the fact that China has 1.4 billion people. What's worrying is that this is the first time ever that we see a drop in the net enrollment in this government-subsidized program. And what's behind this drop? There are a few reasons. First of all, the premium has more than doubled since 2016 to around $54 per year, which actually didn't seem a lot, right, in the West, but it is a lot of money for migrant workers or farmers or rural residents in China. A lot of them couldn't afford even this tiny amount of money given the economic slowdown. So what happens to those who are uninsured? Is there some kind of safety net? I'm afraid not. And this is especially true for older people in the countryside who basically do not have a stable source of income, who also do not have a high level of pension compared with their counterparts in big cities. Also, a lot of parents are reluctant to pay for health insurance for the young children in the hope that these young children are healthy enough uh, to be able to weather any illnesses. Wow. What are the larger ramifications of people foregoing health insurance for China's economy? The Chinese authority has been trying very hard to sort of shift the economic model 
from one that is driven by investment to one that is driven more by consumption. But in order to encourage people to spend, they need to feel secure. And one important element in this is that they need to have a good health insurance program. I think for now, given the still sort of low level of dropouts, the immediate impact isn't that big. But going forward, there's a big chance that this trend will carry on into the coming years. And that definitely would bode very badly for China's domestic consumption. Sun Yu is the FT's China economics reporter in Beijing. Thanks, Sun. Sure. How does a country like India create enough jobs for nearly one and a half billion people? It's a tough problem to solve. Only about 40% of adults are part of the labor force. And for women, it's even worse at around one in four, according to some estimates. India's Prime Minister Narendra Modi sees manufacturing, especially in the garment industry, as one way to boost employment for women. This is part two of our three-part series on the new face of India. Today, the FT's Ben Parkin and Jyotsna Singh visit a factory in southern India, which could provide part of the solution to India's employment problem. So we're standing on the factory floor. It's just row after row with hundreds of workers, uh, almost all women. Shahi Exports is India's largest garments manufacturer. One of their factories is based an hour outside the city of Mysore, and it makes everything from ski gear for Columbia Sportswear to jumpers for H&M. And, you know, it's a huge, huge operation in an otherwise very rural, quiet area, mostly with agricultural land. So this is the kind of thing that you know, creates mass employment in an area where people would otherwise probably be working in agriculture or emigrating to cities. Unlike its neighbors, China or Bangladesh, India is not known as the factory for the world, but it's hoping to become one. India became the world's most populous country this year, and the government is trying to figure out how to give 1.4 billion people jobs. Many think factories are the answer. For Maheshwari and women like her, these jobs can be transformational. She grew up in a nearby village and, like her parents before her, started out as a seasonal worker on nearby rice farms. Now she's a mid-level manager at Shahi. Maheshwari tells us that her friends in agriculture would earn around 5,000 rupees, or about 60 American dollars, in the harvest months. The rest of the time they often had no work, meaning they could barely afford enough food for themselves. Now she works year-round and earns more than double what she could have made in a month working in agriculture. Maheshwari says this helps her support a household of five people. Prime Minister Narendra Modi took office in 2014. And since then, he's tried everything from subsidies to roadshows to try and kickstart India's manufacturing sector. There have been some successes. Apple, for example, is making more and more of its products in India. But as a share of India's economy, manufacturing has actually shrunk since Modi took office to around 13% of GDP. Factories like these are few and far between in India. We see that India has so much potential. 
Why is it not growing here? That's Harish Ahuja, Shahi's managing director. We have got 95% the input in the country compared to Bangladesh, which has just their workforce. Everything is come from overseas. And India is the largest grower of cotton. What is the reason, you know, why is it not growing in the same scale as what is growing in Bangladesh or Vietnam? Economists debate the reason for this. But while we're in Shahi, we get a taste of one. Within half an hour of being there, there are two power cuts. How often do you get the power cuts? We have regular power cuts because of rainy season. The manager tells me they happen pretty often during the rainy season, three or four times a day. And that adds up when you're trying to be part of an ultra-competitive global supply chain. Power cuts means it will take at least five to six minutes for our if again to restart the machines. Right, okay, for the backup generator and then to restart the machines. Harish argues that India's labor laws make it hard for factories to run as long as they're rivals in China or Vietnam. These include strict limits on work hours, hiring and firing. So it is not like in 40s, 1940s, 45s, no, when the labor laws were made that time, you know, it was very hard to find jobs. So then they had made it, you know, but uh, very stringent laws. But now they have just no tweaking on that now. So as times have changed, we should start, you know, tweaking on that. While these regulations need reform, worker protections exist for a reason. Over decades, these factories have gained a reputation as dangerous places to work. And Shai has faced its own complaints, including over delayed compensation, something managers say they have now addressed. Maheshwari, the mid-level manager at Shahi we heard from before, is actually very happy with her experience at Shahi. But she acknowledges that working in a garments factory is a tough life. She welcomes the decent salary, but she doesn't want this kind of life for her children. She hopes the money she earns will be enough to fund their education and give them a chance of one day becoming engineers or doctors. The future of the Maheshwari family has a lot riding on these factory jobs. And so too does India's ambition to be the world's next economic power. For the FT News Briefing, I'm Ben Parkin. Special thanks to Jyotna Singh for her help reporting and producing this piece. In the third part of our series, we'll look at India's booming fertility industry. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.